Hey, fellas, welcome back to another episode of the Farm System. We're sitting down with my man, Chris Calabello. Um, and uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's get it going, Humbo. Chris, we appreciate you uh, taking some time and sitting down with us, man. How you doing today? Of course, yeah. Good to be here, man. Uh, good. It's, uh, I wish it was a little warmer here where I live, but uh, <laughs> that way it would like actually be decent to go outside. Like, first rule of thumb is just don't live in New England because it can be <laughs> 40 degrees in April, so... Right. Yeah. Uh, just you know, if anybody want to learn something from me, that's like the number one thing I would do. <laughs> Don't live in New England. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, obviously, Chris, for uh, the people that haven't had the opportunity to listen to your story, I think it's a pretty powerful one. Uh, beginning at the beginning with your college days. Um, when we kick when we kick off the show, how about you just take us through kind of um, you know your start to kind of where you are now. Yeah, I mean, listen, every, everybody has kind of like their own unique journey of how things happen for them and, and the way things go. And um, mine's certainly different, but I, I certainly, I don't necessarily think it's, it's, it's as crazy as I guess other people do. Um, it obviously took a lot of perseverance to be able to end up getting to the big leagues. But, I, you know, I, I went to a small Division two school. It's called Assumption College up here in Massachusetts. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't the best player on my high school team. I was, a, I was a decent player. Hadn't really grown, like needed to kind of fill into my body a little bit still. And then uh, ended up at a division two school. I had some division one offers, but they were late. Uh, I was, I was young. I graduated as a 17 year old. So uh, I knew I wanted to go to college and play. So I went to assumption and um, I had a nice career, uh, played summer ball in the NECBL one summer with a bunch of future big leaguers and high draft picks. And, you know, unfortunately I didn't get drafted, which I thought, I, I, th I really thought I had done enough to get drafted, but uh, apparently, you know, there was something <laughs> missing. Um, and, you know, I'll never have the answer to those questions, but. It's probably because you didn't have that beard yet. Yeah. If I, I, you know, what's funny is my dad always used to make me shave when I was a kid. Like, you know, yeah. like, right. you need to shave. The scouts need to see like a clean face. And I was like, you know, the more I think about it, the more I go back and I'm like, man, I should have just been doing things to differentiate myself. Like I should have dyed my hair red, should have grown out a long beard. Like Justin Turner is like the perfect example. This dude got long hair, long red beard. And like, he gets a lot of love. I mean, granted he rakes, but <laughs> yeah. apparently raking isn't enough. Like you have to rake with like full features. Right. So, yeah, that was something and I did I did in junior college. Uh, my coach used to hate me for it, but I used to wear these neon orange cleats. And <laughs> it sounds like something I would do, yeah. Humbo. Neon orange cleats. And I would, again, the same thing too, just random stuff that I would, I would do just to make, you know, someone look that way for sure. Listen, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, like it's, there's time, like it's managing your level of loud is what's important, right? Like if you can manage your level of, of how loud you are and how, you know, how eccentric your, your look is like there, everybody's got to just have their own personality though. And I think that's important. So like, I, to me that you know that's a big deal being able to just like be yourself and I think for a long time I tried to fit in the mold of what and you know no offense to my dad but he had this like military upbringing and you know be clean shaven have a good haircut be proper and there's part of me that realized that on a baseball field like you need to be a warrior in some capacity you kind of need to be you know part of my language an asshole but yeah um and knowing how to balance that and, and certainly don't go to the extremes of like, Hey, let me wear all the flair in the world and be a douche in the way I play. Like, <laughs> but 
like let your personality out, but then go about your business the right way. You know what I mean? It, um, it, it, at what point in your career did that start to click for you? And you realized that I maybe need to start being my own person. And, it, and it, did, did that allow you to, you know, be the player you were? Yeah. I mean, I think it happened probably either my third or fourth year at indie ball where I really stopped kind of caring what people thought and, Knowing, and, and this is what I, I always go back to this, like it, knowing if your intent is right, if your intent is good um, and you're coming from the right place, then you, you really can't mess up. You can make mistakes, but you just learn from them and get better because of it. And I think I, I you know, I started kind of giving my dad, you know, not necessarily lit back because I, my dad's my best friend in the world. We have a great relationship, but I started saying to him like, dad, I'm going to grow a beard. I'm going to have a goatee. I'm going to have whatever. And you know, I'm not disrespecting anybody by doing any of these things. And I think that was one of the big, you know, talking points for me is like, if I'm not, if I'm not disrespecting anyone, then like, I'm going to, I'm going to feel like I want to go about my business the right way. And then I would say, you know, if you look further along, like in, in, in affiliated ball, every level I went up, there was certainly an adjustment period. And I think ultimately the, honestly, I would say double A was just weird because it was my first time in affiliated um, had to get used to the way the organization did things. The twins were very particular about, you know, being clean shaven and all those things. And it was fine, like nothing major, but certainly like you had to get used to being coached in a certain way. Cause for seven years in indie ball, I, I had the freedom to be myself every day and learn like in indie ball, you have to do things to stick around to exist. Cause you don't have those resources. And then when I got to affiliate, it was a little different, but then when I got to the big leagues and I would say the first time I really, really like settled into just, being okay with it was the beginning of 2014 when I had that I had a really good first month of the year when I made the team and they were telling me I wasn't supposed to and then unfortunately I hurt my thumb that year and I had to you know I tried to play through and it, it really didn't work so I got sent down and it was like up and down but then 15 for sure and Toronto was such an easy environment to do that in like we were just all got to be ourselves and like nobody judged you for anything so it definitely helps like it, it, I think the ability to be yourself is what allows you to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Do you think, do you think too, now that you look back and you see like your evolution as a hitter, if you would have got to the league quicker, do you think that again, you would have still been fine, like a being able to compete at that level and like put up numbers like you did? Yeah. I mean, I, that's a, it's a really hard question. I think people discredit that when they ask me, you know, when they ask me if I, if I have any regrets about the way things happened or the way the journey went, I'm like, man, like maybe I wouldn't have been ready to get drafted when I was 21 or maybe I like, cause you see so many 21, 22 year old kids that get drafted that are good players. And then either they don't get an opportunity and they, you know, they, they get released or whatever. And then they end up moving on. And it's like, how do you know you're ever going to get that opportunity again? So, you know, I, I'm not going to say like, I don't think I could have handled it if I got there when I was 23, 24, 25, 26. But certainly when I did get there, I had a lot more awareness, I guess. And I think when, you know, when Bobby and I started working together in 2010 was really, I started becoming really accountable for my swing. And I, I you know, just looking back and I didn't have a resource in 2004, 2005, that was like as impactful on my development in terms of like understanding the swing. Um, so nobody had ever laid it out to me that way. So if I had had that information in 2004, 2005, when I was getting out of school, would it have been different? I don't know. I, like I can't clone myself and go back in time and see it play yeah. itself out again and I you know that's that's like a big question I'm sure you guys deal with this all the time like you know am I giving the right information if I had this information when I was going back like what how would that impact you 
it's really tough to say. Like I know when I got the information, I was prepared for it and I had to be ready for it personally before anybody could just like, you know, jam it down my throat, I guess. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the question I got is like, how important do you think you're the start at the division two and kind of happened to, um, don't want to say a chip on your shoulder, but I'm sure it ignited you to and prepared you for, you know, when you're dealing with those trials down the road, how important do you think that was for you? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, my mom always used to tell me I was going to be a lawyer if I wasn't a baseball player, because I, I wasn't very good at like, letting, couldn't do something or that I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always, I always, I, there was just a piece of me that, like believed I could do anything and still to this day I do like I believe I could be you know I I tell kids I tell kids this all the time 90% of of success in life is about belief like I firmly believe that if I had decided when I was about 10 years old or 14 years old I want to be president of the United States that I could become president of the United States and there's only one of those like there's only one president Mm-hmm. So I was like, big league, the big leagues are 750 players. That's so much easier. Like there's 750, like I can go like, that's way easier than being president. And I always, I always, I, I just wanted to do what people told me I couldn't because I, I just get a kick out of proving people wrong. Like to me, it's, it's just funny, right? Like, because <laughs> when people tell you you can't do something and you're like, Oh, watch me. And then you do it. I think there's massive satisfaction in that. And not to say that was the only driving force, but certainly I'm the only big leaguer that ever came out of Assumption College. So people were like, oh, you're not going to get the big leagues. Nobody from Assumption gets the big leagues. I was like, okay, cool. Watch. That's awesome. awesome. What were you going to say? You're going to add something to that? No, no, no. I mean, I think, and I think, you know, I think a lot of great athletes are driven like that. Not to say I'm a great athlete. I think I just can hit a little bit. (laughs) You probably are, right? I uh, just hit, man. I, I actually can do some linear things. Like I can play hoops too. Like I, I'm sneaky good at basketball. I'm tall, <laughs> so that helps. For sure. What um? What do you feel like was? Every, I feel like every hitter in some right obviously is is who they are, right? And also on top of that, like they know what they're good at and they have a plan. And like me and you also talk a lot about your like your mindset, how you approached hitting, and like your thought process through that. So what do you think was a differentiator? for you as a hitter like what was your skill set what made you special um and what did you know that you were good at yeah i mean i'm pretty cerebral i think that i've always i've always kind of made a point of that right like when i as i was going through like my draft years or whatever i I didn't do anything that really if and i've realized this over time in baseball you can be a really good hitter and nobody can know it like because really good hitters aren't sexy like like Mm -hmm. Tony Gwynn wasn't sexy. Wade Boggs wasn't sexy. Ichiro wasn't sexy. They just happened to get 200 hits a year in the big leagues. So it became sexy. But if they were doing that in like, you know, the California penal league, nobody would care. You know what I mean? Like they'd be shooting line drives through the six hole and people would be like, Oh, that's cool. You got a single. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's really hard to define what makes a great hitter when he's not, flashy you know when he doesn't hit 30 or he doesn't knock in 100 and and even if they do that like on any given day like you might watch him take bp and be like eh, whatever so like i was always a guy who when i took bp next to people i I didn't i didn't hit it further than anybody else uh i couldn't leave to right center so that was like i tried every day until bobby like started introducing swing stuff to me um 
there was just nothing like super appealing about me. Right. And I know what made me a great hitter was my, is part of what we talked about before. Like I just had this, I hated losing. Right. So, and I looked at making it out as losing and I always, this is the way I describe it. I hate losing way more than I like winning because Mm. I just don't like saying I got beat at anything. Um, So I think that's part of what, what creates a great hitter is like, you can't be okay with making outs. Now, I would say I probably took it too far to the point where it caused like stress and anxiety and things like that. But, you know, if I hadn't thought like that, would I have been more receptive to hitting 270 or 260 or 250 or whatever? Like, yeah. And I, again, I hear stories about like Wade Boggs would go 0 for 8 and like freak out. Like he'd just be losing his mind and be like, dude, it's all right. You're hitting 370. Like you're going to be all right. You know, and, and there's like a level of balance, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think my mind is just always like, I, I want to work my way through situations, work my way through counts. I'm always really aware of what's going on around me. Um, that's my greatest asset. I mean, I have some abilities. I have some leverage because I'm long, you know, quick, like quick twitch. Like I, I don't, there's nothing else I do quick twitch. So I don't know if my swing <laughs> is quick twitch or not. But Yeah. I mean, obviously that's what allowed you to hit pretty much every level you played at. Uh, when Bobby came into your life and you guys started to get into a little bit more of the, um, I guess we could say mechanics of the swing, what do you think was the biggest adjustments or um, focuses you had to do to kind of take you to that next level? Yeah. I mean, it was a complete reshift of the way I thought hitting was supposed to happen. Like I just had to, I literally had to break all the ideas that were in my head. Like, I mean, I'm sure you guys still see it now when you're working with hitters, like, like swing down, squish the bug. I'm a literal learner. So when you yeah. tell me to swing down and squish the bug, I'm swinging down and squishing the bug. And that was like the thing, the thing that I recognize about most of the guys that have been swing change guys that had success before the swing change. And then like had a moment where they kind of realized it wasn't good enough. Like they all had success to an extent, right? At a certain level. So they probably inherently did a lot of the things well that they should have been doing, but they just didn't know they were doing them. Yeah. Like, there were times when I, you know, I got my barrel, I had barrel depth and there were times when I, you know, uh, you know, had good stretch or separation, whatever you want to call it, or disassociation. There were times when my back hip would be turned and I'd be fooled and I'd like be able to get through a ball. So like, I just didn't know that I was doing them. So for me, the awareness that we generated that those were really the things that were making me good just allowed me to shift my work to, Hey, work on this instead of like work on swing down, knob the ball. And listen, like, I, I don't like, I think there are people that can think about swinging down, knob to the ball and be awesome. So like, Hey, yeah. more power to you. If that's what you need to think about, or that's what you think about makes you good in actuality. Is that what's happening? No. Like anybody that knows hitting knows that nobody's like swinging straight down and nobody's barrel staying above the ball. Like it's, like you can't like there's no denying that now like high speed video is allowed for us to understand what's like truly happening with the swing now sure can people start talking and i know like people start talking about different muscles firing and where the center of gravity is coming from and where you know all that stuff and um but i don't know to me it was just awareness like awareness of what feels i needed to create because at the end of the day like and this is all the things we talk about joe you and i have talked about this about like what's where does it come from is it mind or body like or are can your body like drive your mind or can your mind does your mind drive your body like 
I still don't know the answer to that question, but I know that being more aware of it for me helps like, you know, being aware of what I'm trying to create and what that feeling is when I'm trying to create. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And then, you know, that's one of the things we talked about. I know obviously you, you touched on it just a minute ago, but you were talking about, again, obviously that power to right field that you started to started to have. And you're, I mean, in the big leagues, I mean, notably, like you really had some power to, to the right side of the field. Um, so mm-hmm. um, what do you think, you know, for, you know, for that, for example, what was the thought? Was it just, again, by you rotating that back foot and you thinking down to the ball, do you think that that was messing up your direction or your ability to? to for sure. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I was convinced that my hands needed to come with all the, tur- like the turn that was happening. I never understood like what the thing that, 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 that I know created acceleration and rotation on rotation all those things that allowed me to start doing that and leverage was like slowing down like the ability to slow down we talk about that all the time mm-hmm. and the ability to like separate like and i we don't use the word separation the, the ability to let my hips start turning and let the barrel be working behind because that's where the elastic feel comes from right and it, it like it was ridiculous because like when i was trying to go like this like now i'm trying to hit that ball outside like and I'm cutting it and I just didn't understand why I couldn't create the right spin to get the ball out of the ballpark and it honestly it got to the point where you know so we're talking about 2010 I start making the swing changes and I was still very much like a uh, like I, I would say my my field probably shifted from like left center to like just left of the center fielder I started being able to drive the ball to right center but it was still not my focal point then in 2012, I started hitting more balls to right center, and I'd say my direction got more middle. And then by the time 2013 came, and honestly, in the WBC, when I hit the ball against the Dominican Republic, that was, I mean, it's pretty memorable. Like most people, like people were, like guys were in the big leagues were like, dude, nobody go, nobody hits balls there other than Stanton. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, cool. <laughs> um, and when, when you recognize that you can do something like that, when you can leave at that park to that part of the field, you start thinking to yourself, like, why would I ever try to do anything different? Because I always recognized personally the value of hitting the ball the other way in terms of getting hits. And let's not forget for a second, like, I was always like a guy that wanted to get hits. Like, there was never any part of me that was like, I'm willing to sacrifice hitting 300 to hit 40 homers. Like, I'm not, I'm just not doing it. Like, if I'm a, like, if I'm going to hit 30 or 40 homers, it's going to be with like 330, 340 because I just don't like making outs. And that's the way that I grew up in the game. Like I was hitting 300 period, like end of story. Like I'm not, not hitting 300. Um, And I'm going to do whatever it takes to do that. So when I recognized my ability to hit the ball over the right center field wall was, was there, I was like, this is ridiculous. Why would I ever try to pull the ball? So then in 2013, it literally got my moves to the point where I was like tipping the bat so far down that I was never coming back up because I knew I could take any location and hit it to right center and knock the crap out of it. So why would I ever try to pull? And then the problem was like, I'd gotten so steep up and out that like when I would try to go pull, I was like snap hooking and rolling over and I'm like, Oh my God. And then when I kind of freaked out and kind of like tried to reshift the mindset a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I went from one extreme to literally the complete opposite extreme, which I think that one plays like you watch Derek Jeter get 3000 hits doing it. So like, yeah, it works you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's the thing too. I mean, obviously 
um, you know, you know better than most, but again, like the league trying to make, then has to then change to you, right? Like you come up being able to do one thing and then all of a sudden you start, you know, or they scout you to be able to do one thing and then you start doing another thing. Now they have to pitch you completely differently. And then again, obviously it's ebb and flow, right? Then they make an adjustment, then you make an adjustment, then they make an adjustment, then you make an adjustment. It's like back and forth. You know, what would you The beauty, the, sorry, the beauty of the shift thing is like guys like are so worried about shifts like the shift is only going to be based off your like last 50 at bats, really, if you think about it. Mm. So like if you as a hitter can just take 50 at bats and be like, all right, I'm going to start hitting balls over there. If you don't like the shift, like do it a few times, see what happens. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> hey, but only, only, only big leaguer. No, yeah, just switch yeah. it. Flip it back. Just start doing the opposite thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fundamentally, like, listen. We're talking about big league hitters, like, right? Like dudes that like hit for a living, like you're getting paid a lot of money to hit. If you're going to tell me that you can't hit a ball the other way on purpose, like on purpose, no matter where the location of the pitch is, you crazy fool. Like I'm telling you right now, there is not one hitter on the planet that can't have like an approach to hit the ball. Now, am I saying like, it's always going to happen? I'm going to tell you the God's honest truth. One of my favorite at-bats ever in the big leagues, and, like, it's so innocuous that nobody will ever even have probably seen it. It was game 162 in 2015. And my second at-bat of the game, we were down a billion to nothing. Like, we were losing to Tampa. We'd already clinched the playoffs. We are down 10 nothing, and I hit a homer against Moore, my second at-bat. My third at-bat, I'm coming up. And, like, it's the difference between, like, I need one more to ensure I'm going to hit 320 versus 319, which, like, okay, let's play the game, right? <laughs> so – all of a sudden Tampa goes full pull side shift on me. <laughs> like, all right, like, cool. I'm going to hit a ground ball to second base. Like sure enough, like fastball down and away, perfect pitch, like hit it off the end of the bat, little ground ball right at the second baseman for a knock on the turf in Tampa. So like, like anybody that's telling me they can't do this stuff, like you crazy dog, like you should be able to, or at least in, in your mind, be able to create the swing that can do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I think that's a big thing. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I think, I think that there's some guys that you, like you said, you're obviously, you're obviously too very cognizant and, and just more receptive to obviously not only how you're moving, but also to how your swing works where a lot of guys have never had to think about their swing ever. Right. Or yeah, never. Yeah. That's scary. Oh, can you keep... sorry. Hello. I just got a phone call. That's why you don't <laughs> do it on your phone. Was that cool? What did you guys see? What did it do? Did you, just, disappear? you disappeared. Just you disappeared. Just disappeared. Sick, bro. That's <laughs> tight, though. Like, if you can pull a magic act like that on a Zoom call, like, that's fire. I'm it's sorry. Pretty, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. So, but I was, I was just, you know, thinking the same thing, too, is that I, I could definitely see someone like you being able, again, understanding the angles and understanding what you're trying to create. Uh, it being that I, but I, I do know, again, there's a lot of guys that really have a lot of trouble with, like, feel. Uh, for their swing you know and that's just a lot of times they haven't had to feel it like the whole you know yeah I, I think that but I think that's why like the information is so valuable right like being yeah. educated is so valuable and like when guys it, we're we're taught to fear that stuff as young players like or at least my generation was we were taught to fear thinking about mechanics and being smart and being cerebral and like, I'm not a person, like, I don't believe that any human being has any restriction, you know, short of like a, a true physical disability, right? Like when it comes to like being, like having the ability to do something to me, it's, it's strictly about desire, right? And sure, there are adjustments. And I, I could make the same argument for a billion different things, right? Like, like people have trouble losing weight, right? That, that have a, a natural propensity to be a little bit heavier. 
they could still lose weight. It just might be a little harder than a person that's genetically gifted, right? Like, would you agree with that? Yeah. Like the same way a person who's not good at writing was going to have to work harder than a person that's good at writing if they want to be a writer. So whatever thing you choose to do in life that you enjoy, like you're going to figure out a way to be good at it. It's just a difference in how far along you have to get in the education process and in the work process. And that paradigm exists in everything and for everybody. And I don't understand why, like, we're so quick as a society to just be like, oh, well, you're not good at this. You shouldn't do it. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, you're making choices every day. And I know it can be scary for hitters a lot of time, but like, if it's your job, like, yeah. you should have to be accountable for what you're doing. And that's the biggest message I can pass along to young hitters is really just become accountable for everything you do, especially the way you move early. And then, learn like people are asking me during this thing during this global pandemic that we're dealing with they're like you know what should i be doing to get better well dude hitting off the tee is tired right like you're gonna go hit off the tee every day like after day three you're probably gonna want to slam your head up against the wall i'm not saying don't do it i'm saying like find ways to gamify that number one and then number two like use your brain like develop your brain at this point like go watch games, go work through at bats, see what guys are thinking, look through pitch sequences. Like you literally have access to every major league game basically ever right now, if you really want it, like go watch and really challenge yourself to think through those moments. And if you say you don't want to, cause it's boring and like, that's cool. Like whatever, then you're probably playing the wrong sport. Like, <laughs> because this game has to be one up here. And yeah. like, I would say go try football or, or, or basketball or whatever. Because yeah. if you're not willing to put in the time to go through all that stuff, then you know, yeah. we're wasting our time. I know. Yeah, I think, uh, go ahead, Bo. I was going to say, I think a big part of what you're talking about, especially the transfer across different professions, goes back to one of the biggest things you said was important, which was slowing down. Um, mm-hmm. What exactly did you mean by that? And how did that help you? You mean like decision making? You mean like overall? Do you mean like your anxiety? Like what exactly do you mean by slowing down? How do you think that can help people that maybe uh, are struggling to find certain adjustments, things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm gonna say this and people are gonna be like, what? Like hitting is simple. Hitting is simple. It's really fundamentally simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. There's a ball coming. We have a bat. We hit the baseball, right? Like fundamentally, if you really break it down to like the root of it, it's a simple game. It is by far the hardest thing to do in sports because there's so many variables and so many outside factors affecting us. Like if we could give every hitter a lobotomy after every at bat, like it'd probably be the greatest thing ever. We would get a true sense of how good that player could be. Because the hardest part is dealing with what happened last time and what's going to happen next time and what the pitcher is going to throw, and what the umpire is going to call and where they're playing me and what my mom's yelling from the stands and what the crowds, why the crowd's booing me. And you know, I'm over my last 20. The newspaper wrote a bad article about me. Like those things make hitting hard. Like at the end of the day, it's really easy. They're going to throw a ball. You got to try to hit it. If you miss three times, you're out. Like, I mean, simplicity is, is is beautiful it's everything that goes on around it that makes it difficult and then oh by the way the guy on the mound is trying to do some crazy stuff to try to get you out like he's trying to move the ball in 83 different directions 
which is why it's important to understand angles and understand direction and understand spin rate and understand all those things. Because if you understand what he's trying to do, then it becomes really simple to figure out what you want to do. So slowing down to me is about really being able to put the focus on those simple things, like the simple things and not worry about all the things that don't matter in the course of any at bat. I'm at my best when I can have a simple thought that allows me to execute my plan against what the pitcher is trying to accomplish. And when I say that, like, I don't fundamentally shift my approach as a hitter ever. Like I don't really ever think about pull. I'm more thinking about hitting a ball second base over because that keeps me through balls and allows me to hit balls even to the pull side with true spin and things like that. Um, but like we have to have simple thoughts that we can wrap our brains around and then like not let failure affect those thoughts. And that's the hardest part to do. Like, in my opinion, like the hardest part is letting, not letting failure affect you. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's good. Well, I just, I just got to update by zoom. We got eight minutes and I can't let you go. I can't let you go because without asking this question, which is something that, you know, you and I've talked about a couple of times, but I know generally, obviously, your thoughts on like timing and, you know, again, like uh, I want you to kind of dive into that. And I know we've talked about it a lot, but I think it's good for other people to hear as well. So, yeah, why don't you dive into that for a second? Well, I, I mean, it's a big topic, right? Like timing, I, people say timing is everything. It's a phrase in life. Like it's, a, it's important in relationships and work and everything. So like, why wouldn't it be important in hitting? And, um, you know, we, we, I think Joey, like, you and I have discussed this at length, probably like, does your body organize itself better when you're getting to places in time or on time? Um, and, and I think it does it, like holistically, realistically, you're able to make more efficient moves if you, if you don't have time constraints, right? Like, and I, I think the simple notion of understanding we can never take time away. Like time is equal for everyone. So like if we, if we've lost a second, we can never have it back. Right. Or if we lost a split second, we can never have it back and speeding up to try to catch up to make that time up never works in hitting, especially like it doesn't work. You can't hit that way. So understanding how to err on the side of early, in my opinion, and this is something that helped me significantly and like at a minimum understanding the difference between what early feels like, what late feels like, and what's truly on time feel like with your body in terms of organization is imperative. And I think what happens in the cage a lot of times and with young hitters, and this is one of the things that I see so much is like, we have this practice, like we take flips or overhand toss or whatever, and people are trying to be perfect, right? They're trying to be perfect with their timing. And a lot of times what happens is they get a little bit rushed and things go too fast. And then they feel like everything's messed up. And I'm like, like, wait, what? Like, what? I don't understand how you could not understand what early means. So, like, understanding how to mess up early is important. Like, mess up being early with your, with your gather, with your load, all the things that need to happen before. Because then you can always have time to make adjustments. You can be early with your body and still hit a rocket. You can't be late and hit a, and, and hit a rocket very often or – like be able to get through a ball unless it's like strictly like an accident, something that binds you up. And again, that leads to conversations about space with your arms and things like that. But yeah, learn how to mess up early and things yeah. will, will clean themselves up. 
You say, you say that a lot too. Um, one of the things that I really like that you said one time when we were shooting back and forth is that like, if you're going to make a mistake, make it early. Right. And it's a lot yeah. of that, about that same thing is like, make it early. Um, you know, cause again, if you make mistakes late, you know, like you're talking about, you know, why, why don't you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like, and, and this goes back full circle into, into like what we're talking about, about the psyche, right? Like if, if I get to a place too early, I can always slow down. Like I can slow everything down or like, and I don't, I say that I don't even like saying it that way. Like I can hold and pause and lengthen. Like I'm doing a pseudo leg kick sitting in the front seat of my car right now. And you can't see, I'm like, I'm like this, (laughs) but like, if you watch great hitters, they know how to get to positions and then make adjustments that can create time within them. Nobody can, nobody can take that. If you get there too late, you can't take that time away. So like, if I'm going to mess up, let me mess up early so that I have a chance. Like, because the reality of the situation is we're never like, very rarely are we perfect as hitters. And I think the problem with the training is like, we try to train for perfect and like perfect doesn't exist. And Oh, by the way, when we mess up, we get a do over right away and hitting. And that's like one of the things I've been saying a lot. Like the thing that sucks about BP is like, you just get a do over if you didn't like it. If you, you don't get a do over and hitting for like 45 minutes, like you gotta go play defense and watch everybody else go up there and take your hits away and stuff like that. So like to give ourselves the best chance, we have to err on the side of early all the time. If I'm going to mess up, like I'm going to mess up being ready too early with my body. Cause then I have, I can always create time within like, if I can tip too soon, I can, start my leg kick too soon. Like I can always slow down to like hold, 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 and then go on, on my own time. And that's Rich Gedman used to say that to me all the time. It's like, get ready early so you can swing when you want to. Like, I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So you're, I like that. Go ahead, Bo. So you're making a lot of these decisions with, with your foot in the air, but with with the way you hit. uh, I mean, yeah, I, like, I try not to think too much about my legs, to be honest with you. I, like, it's crazy. Like, I'm not a guy that, like, likes to worry about when my foot's getting up. But, yeah, like, decisions get made. Like, I've realized over time, like, you have to be attacking as a hitter. Like, you have to be attacking. Like, period. You cannot be not attacking. And so, in, when I say attack, like, that means I have to be going. I have to be creating moves while the pitcher is still creating moves and I have no idea where the ball's going to get. I, I have presumptions about it, but like the decision-making process, I, I'll tell you what, 99.9% of the time I'm telling myself swinging a fastball, middle of the plate to outer third. Yeah. Like I'm never looking breaking ball. I'm never looking change up unless I know, like I have to know that that's what they're throwing. And what I mean by that is like, you know, if I face a, you know, AWR, average white righty on any given day, right? Like I got a guy's 92 with a little sinker slider and a changeup, and I've never seen him before. I'm looking heater down the pipe, bro. Like that's it. So any swings that I make off that are strictly a, a physical adjustment that happened within the time frame of my attack and like obviously the those decisions are getting made when the ball's in the air and yeah if my foot's probably in in the air as well yeah no for sure well chris i know that we could uh talk hitting probably like we do every time we get on the phone for hours and hours um but no we really appreciate you uh jumping on with us i'm I'm sure we'll have to all do it again part two maybe uh, part two pull maybe pull bobby on here as well 
Big Shot Bob will yeah. make an appearance next time. <laughs> my, my guy's my guy's CEO in right now so bad. Like he's doing CEO things. It's crazy. Good time. So. All, right, right, all right. Well, thanks, my man. Appreciate, Appreciate you. It, Chris. Of course. Good chat with you. Talk to you guys. All right. Yeah. Later. All right, buddy. See you.